Would you care to step outside? We need to do this. Warning, PC and RMD contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. Awesome. Oh, sorry. That's your signal. That means we have to go now. Brings are back, bitches! What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of DC on RMD Titans Edition here on Rain Man Digital. We are actually live tonight again on Twitch, so check us out every week. Well, hopefully every week. Um, as always, you can check us out. Um, our past and uh, current episodes of DC on RMD or any other Rain Man Digital episodes via Apple Podcast, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Just search DC on RMD. And while you're at it, why don't you go out to Patreon and throw us a buck or two? And help keep the lights on in the Batcave so we can keep bringing you great content every week, weekly reviews, and talk about all things Batman and DC and Titans and all that fun stuff. I'm your host, Steven, and tonight I have Paul. Hey. And David. Hello, hello. And no Lauren. She's still on vacay, but she will come back or else. <laughs> Hopefully she listens to these when she's not. Uh... I guarantee that she doesn't. Okay. Well, also. Can we add a tier to Patreon, the I'm going to porn this tier? We can. We'll figure out what it's going to be later. We can. Let's get it up there. It's $69. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, tonight we'll be breaking down Season 3, Episode 8, which is titled Home, directed by Larnell Stovall and written again by Tom Papps. He's had some killer episodes this season, and tonight's episode was no different um before we get into the episode i just wanted to mention if you're not following the dc titans instagram account i would highly encourage and recommend you do so they've been posting some really cool behind the scenes stuff yeah. and we didn't get to dig into it uh in one of the previous episodes where barbara had her cool ass fight in the wheelchair we didn't get to talk about it because there was so much stuff to go over but the DC Titans Instagram account has been showing behind the scenes stuff and they showed her choreography and fight training um, of her doing everything and, and preparing to, before the shoot. And it's really cool to watch. She's a total badass doing it and it shows on screen. It was believable and it, it oh, yeah. was super, super cool stuff to, to check out. And it's amazing what, what, they're able to pull off, especially for her in the wheelchair. Yeah. And I mean, even when she's not, she still wears a prosthetic uh, from the knee down. Um, she's more than capable of, mm-hmm. of holding her own. But it's just really cool to see her practicing and, and how they choreograph that whole thing. So definitely check that out. Um, and let's get into the episode. So this week I, I, I took notes. I, Paul and I were just talking about this. I watched this and I I had to have paused it at least 30, 40 times because I was I, I wanted to capture everything and I tried to capture it somewhat in order. And so it's in order, but that doesn't necessarily need, mean that we need to talk about it right. in order. So the big things that I want to kind of touch on, and, and we've touched on this in the past seasons and particularly this season, uh, is this theme of family, right? So the Titans are a family. It's a, it's a bat family extension, if you will. Yeah. But every character on this show 
is coming together as a as a, a kind of their own little rogues gallery, if you will, to form this nuclear family of ragtag people. And then if you break them apart from one another, they each also have their own backstories and family things in some capacity that they've dealt with. Um, particularly for, you know, the Robins, all, all of the Robins past, present, and hopefully future, all are dealing with something family related that brings them into the fold. But then once they get into this family, you see the, the infighting, the bickering, the helping one another, the trying to come to each other's aid, whether it's mentally or emotionally or physically or whatever. But it's not overdone. That's the amazing thing. You, you can easily see, a lot of times in, in TV shows that try to do like a family drama type thing, they overblow the drama. Mm-hmm. And here you don't. It's actually very relatable and it's very... I would agree. I like the fact that most of the drama has been subtle, but it still matters. It, every every ounce of it matters. And one thing that was special in particular about this episode is that we got into... And we saw this last season with Deathstroke and his family. Again, family's been a reoccurring theme. But this episode, we also got a, a deeper insight into Crane's upbringing. It was just a glimpse, but it was enough to know that yeah. we now have a pretty clear picture of why he's so fucked up. I honestly, it, I honestly think this is better than the Deathstroke from last season. 100%. Because like Crane, the setup for Crane, I didn't think they would go farther with the character like a deeper dive into how he works I didn't either I wasn't expecting it but then you do and now it it just takes that the story that I thought that after last episode I kept asking myself where are they going with this Mm -hmm. because the Titans defeated Crane we know that you know they fought him they stopped his plan they staved him off they staved him off so where do you go from here and then all of a sudden no we're going to double down on the on just like what you said steve about the family part and just give all these characters so much development down to your villain Mm -hmm. that now crane started off as like this cool quirky like villain in the very beginning now we get to actually see he's a bit more there's more depth to him now. Oh yeah. Especially it, with the scene with his mom. Well, so yeah, we'll get into that. And, and one thing that you, you touched upon there is it, with that backstory and that layering. And we've talked about this in the past, right? The, the whole bat mythos is just in, in, ensconced in psychology, all yes. of it. And this show has done a, a brilliant job of, of, showing how fractured all of the characters are in some way or another, some obviously worse than others. And we really got to see that um, not just what created them, so to speak, or what makes them the way they are, but also what can drive them or motivate them to do certain things. Or in the case of Jason, which we'll get into um, how, how those events shape and form you and how you can reflect on them and hopefully grow and pivot and, and learn from your mistakes. Um, but two big things that, that stuck out in my mind in this episode where we, we saw, and we, we've seen this in almost every episode against a, it's kind of a bat related show, but we saw two key characters doing some awesome detective work outside of what Dick and Barbara were trying to do. But so really there's four characters doing some serious detective work, but there's two 
that you have to tip their hat to them. So the first one's Gar, right? So Gar's going off, talking to Molly. It picks up from the last episode. And there was just a couple of moments there where it's really special. He he still clearly, again, believes that there's redemption for Jason. And later in the episode, he even says to the team when they go out to go after Jason, um, you know, you guys didn't shit all over me. You took me back in when Cadmus you know, manipulated me and turned me into a killer. You guys yeah. didn't turn me in. You didn't kill me. And I think there's something to that, right? Like everybody should be given a second chance. There is the only argument that I, I would have for it is. Fuck Jason. Well, not just that, but Jason took out. He took out a person. He took yeah. out a team member. A he family took member. out a member. Yeah. Like, I, mean, yeah, I think that's the difference. The, he took out a family member because yeah. like exactly. Gar, I, Gar killed like countless people, not countless, but probably like a dozen plus a dozen mm-hmm. plus, but he never took out one of the team. Right. Never. He never took out one of the family. And that's the difference between that and Jason. In my opinion is Jason went the extra step. So, you know, but like, again, and especially the way they seem to be framing this and whether this is just like, you know, Jason really just like on the out and outs and trying to get back in with the family or really being on like the breaking away from Scarecrow and just trying to figure out where his life is now. But like, like truly, sure, he killed Hank 100 percent. But like, was that his fault? How did how he much though? Control? He didn't pull the trigger. Did he build the bomb? Like, we <laughs> honestly, we don't know like a lot about it, but like. I don't know, you know, as as we're halfway through. So as we progress, we'll see. And I'm sure that they're going to add more elements because the beautiful thing about this season that I like is while it brings up questions and brings up like moral questions, too. Mm hmm. You have to watch every single episode because they'll add another piece to the puzzle that just and you can't helps you form a, a answer because yeah, like end. episode three, Jason, it was like, fuck Jason. Jason's irredeemable. Where yeah. are we yeah. going from here? And now like kind of steadily since then, I like I have been relatively empathetic toward him and like, yeah. Yeah, we'll see where we get. I think you you start to even even with with Crane, there's a little ounce of empathy, if not a few yeah. ounces, that you end up getting in this episode. And one thing that really stuck out to me again was when Gar was talking to Molly, and he was asking her, "Did you notice any behavioral changes? Is there anything that happened?" And she she said, "It's it's like uh, you know, it's like one day he woke up and was different. Like old Jason had died." And and then came back from the dead a different person. And it's like, okay, that's totally a reference to the Lazarus pit. Yeah, like this, she doesn't know he died, right? No, she has no she clue. I don't think so. Yeah, right. she has no clue. So I think that's interesting whether or not they will go into that. They they did not give us much of an explanation at all for, for the non-initiated, what, you know, we talked about it, what the Lazarus pit is, but... Um, I wonder if we will get more of that down the road, but I just thought that was really cool to see Gar go out of his family or go out of his way to, to, to help a member of his family. And even Corey in that scene, when Dick's trying to rally the group, we're going to go out, we're going to get him. Even Corey stops Dick and says, you know, you're supposed to be a better Batman. And that could mean you either kill somebody or or you don't kill somebody. And they just kind of leave it open ended. What does that mean? And and Dick kind of gets to choose his own adventure of what's that definition of better Batman is going to mean. Well, it's going to be interesting because like, I wonder after this episode, the one important rule, and it's always been a Batman rule 
Batman, the Batman never kills. Just mm-hmm. flat out. In the comics, he doesn't kill. He takes people down, but he never kills. But or like, so, also puts them in situations this, where they might end up killing themselves in some way. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't. Like, we've seen, again, you know, comic source. Um, he doesn't kill, but he does not have to save. It is, yeah. that is not his response. And, like, honestly, as, 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 as much of a golden rule as that is, and, you know, I will absolutely let you make your point, but, um, you know, this show is not the comics. And mm-hmm. we've seen in this show, you know, Batman kills. Well, mm-hmm. the, the thing is, too, is like it really made me think in this episode about that prior one when uh, prior episode in, in episode one, when Bruce tells Dick, you know, be a better Batman now. <laughs> and this is after he slayed the Joker. Uh, presumably, we're going to say that he did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah, he took no a life. Not to. So in a lot of ways, I was thinking to myself, especially how Corey and Gar's dialogue with with uh, Dick at that point was like, we can't kill him. Mm. You, you can't do that. You can't cross that line. And yet Dick is on that line. Dude, like he's straddling it. He's that, straddling it. That, that's such a, like a gray area, specifically with Batman, right? Because like Batman is, yeah, whatever. We don't have Damien in this, but like, like Batman is a father, as, at least to the Robins. Right. So be, be a better Batman could be like you know take take care of your brothers or yeah. your sons be, be a better and, and mentor a better father and figure. specifically with jason it's like you know be be understanding be welcoming take care of him you know do help him through what he needs help with dick could be a better batman by doing that or dick could be a better batman by you know bruce eventually you know as we saw killed the joker and if he had just broken down and killed the Joker way earlier, we wouldn't be in this mess right exactly. now because Joker wouldn't have killed Jason. So it could mean so take yeah, the threat out as early just, as yeah, possible yeah, and just don't fucking fuck kill around. Jason. Yeah. And I think that is the way Dick is interpreting it right now. It it, it could it, it could, could very be. well be. Now, what was interesting is um, you know there's a shot since we're on this topic of family. There's a shot where Tim gets off the bus. Um, when he's doing his detective work. So let's talk about that. So the uh, other first, this was, this was awesome. Family. Yeah. This so, was awesome. So Tim's, Tim's turning out to be the little, uh, second greatest detective in the world behind Actually, Bruce. Really, really quickly, not to derail. I just like shout out to Gar. I know that we just talked about this, but like he didn't even get a fucking like great job or like nice <laughs> no. going from Dick <laughs> no. after setting up a fucking meeting with Jason. Yes. yes. Like, I'm sorry, Gar. You're doing a great job. He, he is. I mean, it he, was the unexpected. Just like you said, we had two great moments of detective work for characters. They, neither of them got any any you know credit. praise for them. No, but like still, Gar was probably the one that was most unexpected. I mean, one of them episode. got like a tiny little trophy. It was shaped like a bullet. Yeah. Well, well, and I think what was cool is that, you know, Gar did extend that olive branch. He he made it personal and he took it to a personal level of someone that genuinely cares for and about Jason. Jason. And so, she, of course, she's going to reach out to him. He showed he also cared. And it just goes to show you that there is a different way to approach any kind of problem. And. And he approached it in the appropriate way. He won someone over with trust. And so had he not done that, we wouldn't have got a meeting with with Jason. We wouldn't have had anything else unfold. Now, Tim's doing his own detective work. Now, 
that that little bastard shows up on the front doorstep <laughs> I love of it. Wayne Manor. Yep, ringing the ringing the ring doorbell, and and you know Gar obviously sees this and says, um, you know, Dick, there's there's some dude at the door, and he says he knows your Nightwing, and he knows that Bruce is Batman, and then we see Dick being on the defensive as he's trying to weasel his way around this guy from you know he doesn't know from adam yep. showing up on the front doorstep but it was really cool that he, he came in sat down and says you know i saw the flying graysons um and you signed my poster we get to see the same poster or some variation of the poster that's hanging up in dick's room which we had seen a couple of episodes prior uh, a couple of times and he signed it and then he goes on to show proof photographic evidence that there's only two people in the world that can <laughs> do off. this 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 knee hook uh or arm hook or whatever the fuck it is i asked nicole she knew what it was um well one of those people is dead because it was dick's dad so who else could it be dick trying to deflect oh it's not me it's not me they just copied my thing whatever um but tim comes right out and says i want to be the next robin Yes. And there it is. Seed has been planted. That was awesome, in my opinion, because, like, here's the thing. In the comics, Tim does a similar thing to yes. Bruce. Yes. This, yes. In, this, in is, this is just another scene in this show that we love full of scenes that we love. We love in be, the comics. Because of this. Yes. It's, we, I mean, we've been predicting basically this scene. This scene coming out. Since it was announced or, you know, whatever. Since we saw Tim in that first episode. Yeah, whenever yeah, yeah. the fuck that happened. What, what, and, like, and then here it is. Like that full payoff. So just as you're watching it, there's you can't not smile. You can't not just be fucking you, you grinning this whole time. And what, but, un, what underscored it for me was when he was talking about before he... he through his uh, resume on the table, as it were, <laughs> yes. uh, to Dick, you know, he said, and, and I know, I know, Jason Todd is is the second Robin, and he deduced that by by studying Jason's gait, by yes. studying how the dude walks. Like, give this man a job. What are you doing? Yeah, and the thing that I really liked about it, Paul, I'm going to actually say, I actually like the, how they portrayed it here more than in the comics. Because I agree. at least Tim realistically worked it out. Yeah. You know, in the comics, it was just, I, mean, yeah. I know you're Bruce Wayne and you're Batman. Well, and he said, <laughs> I was trained. Wrong. My dad was a cop. Yeah. He taught me how to investigate. And what was so clever about that, that bit of writing in the show here is he studied Jason's gate. And then later, Dick and Barbara would be trying to track down Jason using not Oracle, but still supercomputers doing not facial tracking, which was what Gar was trying to use to track down Jason and, uh, and Crane. But he, they were using technology to study people's gait. He didn't need he no didn't, fucking computer. computer. Hey, hey, Babs, here's this uh, here's this idea that I just came up with. Let's try uh, to track feet and knees. Yeah. And like, I'm like going, it, it, I love the fact that it treats Tim as almost like a savant. He's, he's 100%. He, he literally, he doesn't need any gimmicks. He doesn't need any superpowers. He's just a savant. He's that good. He's observant. He's observant. And that's one of the, the core concepts of the Tim Drake Robin. I've always loved was the fact that it's not that he's smarter than Bruce. It's just the fact that he's more observant 
and he pays attention to his surroundings because and he's patient and he's patient he is he is on the detective level of bruce with like little to no training like like uh, on a side note showing him some ropes on the side note my favorite tim drake moment in comics is when you know the battle of the cowl happens and tim dons the the blue cowl and everything else and tries to be bruce but like he ends up trying to figure out how his whole goal is to try to figure out Bruce is not dead. He knows it, but he uses that dogged determination that we all know him as the the greatest detective. And he keeps going, he keeps going. And I, I love the fact that in this episode, they got that core concept of Tim where it's like, Tim doesn't stop. You know, he can deflect, Dick can de- deflect all he likes. He's not stopping this. Dick kid. can deflect. That's how good, <laughs> yes, yes, it can. But that's how good Tim is. I mean, it also leads to you know a, a a weakness of his because it leads him into problems. Mm-hmm. He's so dogged and do- so determined as a detective. What happens in the end happens. It happens. Now, back on the detective aspect, you know, like I said earlier. Dick and Barbara are also trying to do their own detective work. And it was really cool to, to see them. Their, their relationship is clearly getting back on to something. They're knocking boots. Um, a little, a little side thing. If, if you, you were paying attention, they were going to go to a gala. They were all, you know, spoofed up and, and Dick ended up having to take Tim on the motorcycle, which God, that would be uncomfortable as shit for both of them. Uh, to take Tim and, and drop him off before meeting up with with Barbara, but also Dick, you took a motorcycle to pick up a woman who is in a wheelchair <laughs> on a fucking bike. Like, what is wrong with you? So, you like, know, honestly, yeah, I didn't even think like that whole thing is just a um, what what the fuck like a plot device? <laughs> yeah, the, because you had to get hit by at a the car. end. Yeah, the motorcycle had to get hit, and if she was hit in like a fucking Ferrari, then it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, but yeah, it was like. <laughs> Like, dude, you were not thinking at all. But it was really cool that very subtly, if you pay attention, one, her hair was more red in this episode. It had a more reddish hue to the dye job. And two, her dress, you couldn't really tell except for in certain shots, her dress was actually purple and she was wearing a gold necklace, which is a total wink and nod to her original costume in the 60s as well as Burnside Batgirl. You have to appreciate the little subtle attention to detail. And yeah. that to me was like super cool. Um, but yeah, so he gets hit by that fucking car. And then clearly the rest of the episode, Jason was right there. Jason could have done something to him and took it, taken him out, but he didn't. And maybe he dosed him with something. We don't know. But the rest of the episode, Dick is having Hallucination. hallucinations, <laughs> you know, including a Rorschach kind of bats that thing was cool as fuck oh my god that was really cool that was a cool effect really cool very well done and and for him to then leave the hospital and get the cab ride home i also did appreciate that they had an old school cab driving home it felt very like very batman animated series kind of like dick tracy Mm -hmm. um but he sees a vision or a hallucination of his himself as a young child wearing the original Robin costume that we all know and love that we all grew up <laughs> with. And you know, his flying Grayson's how that was bitching cool. was that? That was really awesome. 
I, I just like all these little things that for fans, it, it, I, like it's, I'm just jerking off the whole time, <laughs> like just it, just loving every minute of it. And with the with the hallucinations, though, do you guys think that it's tied to something similar to with Corey? Because hallucinations with Corey seem to have a same vibe of well, what what Dick was I, going through. <clears throat> I don't think. I mean, it's it's vaguely implied that maybe even Jason was the one who like called the paramedics. I think um, he was. So I I don't think Jason dosed him or anything, especially because, in in my opinion, these visions that Dick is having are pushing him toward like being the Batman that's gonna like handle Jason, and not the one that's gonna like handle jason I, I read it a little bit differently i read it as we know from previous episodes what dick has done to both of the robins through training and we still get a little more of that information with the tunnels this time around because there's another hallucination down in the tunnels yes. uh, i read it a little bit differently i read it that dick is having these hallucinations whether they were from just getting his head walloped from a motorcycle crash um or not but i think he's just coming to terms more with what he went through with that Bruce training. And he's always just kind of got this thing in the back of his mind. And that's why he saw the bat signal Yeah, is, is I'm supposed to be a better Batman. This is the turmoil and shit and the baggage that I've carried with me because of how Bruce handled everything. And I'm just getting this feeling that there's, there's something else going on there. There's these subtle cues that yeah. I have to choose a different path. And also it's kind of like, just to add to your point, Paul, is kind of like, I don't picture Jason doing anything to him because if he did dose him with something, it would be tied to fear. His hallucinations would be tied to fear. Mm. All of Dick's hallucinations weren't anything to be that, that struck fear into him. It was just basically something that reminded him of his past. I mean, kind right. of be, like, like the bat thing at first, that was just super cool. That was like, I'd love to have those. Yeah, it was just uh, cool. But the, the other two with like, like the, the child that he saw in the visions or the flashbacks or whatever, like seemed to be distressed. Uh, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. necessarily you say wouldn't straight fear, fear though, right? But that's the on, on the other ongoing theme besides family is fear is fear. But and, like it, it, it were, <laughs> if you were dosed with the fear toxin of scarecrows, your your hallucinations well, I mean, would be tied to fear. If, if he was to be dosed, you know, who knows what it would be because like like J-Dog and Crane clearly aren't on the same page anymore. No. So who knows what J-Dog would have had <laughs> up his sleeve. He, he didn't have anything because he ultimately had to go back and yeah. try to score some more rock, you know, but yeah. uh, um, you know, on the top This episode of, should have been called J-Dog. It not should home. have. He got referenced J and J-Dog multiple times. Um, the other, the, you know, with the hallucinations, Corey and her crazy ass hallucinations, oh, yeah. she's has, having them again. And I have a, a feeling that what she's experiencing, we talked about this previously. I think there's a little bit of Raven somewhere pushing this. I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah. Because like, I started thinking about this. Did we ever, would you guys say we settled all of the weird hallucinations that we had in season one? All the problems, if you think about it. No. We didn't settle them. No. So I'm trying to figure out, okay, Corey's had hallucinations. Now Dick's had hallucinations. Well, and in, in season two, when like all the female characters were drawn to that diner by Bruce, but yeah. then Bruce didn't actually do yeah. that. 
it was like kind of implied that maybe Raven did maybe it, but Raven did we did ever it. actually get like an answer? I don't No, I don't we never got we an did. answer to that. And, and I think that unless there's some other mystical being that we have not been introduced yet that's just kind of like tugging all these strings, mm-hmm. I just get the feeling that, that Raven, whether consciously or not, is kind of pulling some strings of her own. And what was really cool about Corey's vision is when she ended up in that theater and I love the little baby coming down in the buggy because the buggy yeah. reminded me of Batman Returns, the the penguin's the buggy. Team. It's like very – nobody uses fucking buggies like that since like 1912. But uh, when she's reading her little playbill and it says something like crown of the family or something crown related. Tem- Temenarian – Crown of, of Tamarin. Tamarin. Crown of Tamarin. Obviously, you're the queen. You need to take your throne, blah, 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 blah. But then when she ends up showing up in front of wherever the hell they were, if you looked in the background, it was some crown jewelry place that she was drawn to this this location. So there's some subtext going on there. Yeah. Somebody's pushing her to say, you need to be the queen. You need to take your throne we don't know who that is. We don't know who it is. But what was interesting beyond that is she had to employ Connor and and Blackfire to be her her guardians as she went into the deprivation <laughs> tank. Some guardians, but but we well. So so originally her her visions were coming from like Blackfire. That was that's like, what that we was thought. That's what we thought. Okay, okay, right. The visions led her to Blackfire. Yes. And now like there was definitely some sex magic going on. Um, and and to me I, but, I I read that as during the sex scene where spoilers Connor and and Blackfire knocked boots like a motherfucker and broke the bed, but when that stuff was going on on the ground it was hard for me to, it, to, I read it as that was Blackfire's powers. Like he was yes. giving her like the ultimate O that she yeah. was like getting her powers yeah. back. So what a fucking stud, it's right? Sex powers, not sex, uh, sex magic, sex powers, sex powers. Yeah. Okay. Um, but was, yeah. Was that, was that a demonstration of like her kind of getting some powers back? Was that um, like, cause the, the, the up to that scene is Corey walking into the room at like in a trance. Right. So, you know, how, how tied are those? Um, when she accused her of, are you doing this? And she's like, uh, no. And I believe yeah. her. She did um, not seem yeah. like she was bullshitting. And uh, I'm sorry, like the, if it was tied to her sister, then they would have actually shown like, you know, hallucinations that dealt with her sister the hallucinations dealt with Corey herself yeah so it was like i mean it the, started making me get vibes from like season hallucinations one about like you know whatever these visions implying that like maybe you should go back and rule your planet that i mean that could be blackfire trying to get her out of the picture trying to get some heat off her back i'm not I'm maybe not so but sure yeah. I, yeah, I don't necessarily believe that i'm just saying yeah. i'm spitballing it, 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 what was funny too in that scene when Corey walks in and and I thought at first because she didn't have her eyes all weird that she caught him in the act, but it really didn't matter. Connor was out of that bed, bare ass <laughs> naked, and it, like a little like a little boy who got caught by his parents, just right into the bathroom. But she she did some kind of like fucking like mind snap thing to because she did have the glowing eyes when she walked. Oh, in. did she? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was funny later when we find out that that was Connor's first time ever. Yep. 
I mean, that makes sense. He's been alive for like four weeks. Yeah, but I mean, one what? It's not a bad way to break it break it in. No, not <laughs> a bad way at all. Like a Tamaranian second to the throne, absolutely foxy, foxy woman. Good oh, for absolutely. him. We could only be so lucky. Those damn Kryptonian. I mean, genes. to be fair though, a four week old cannot consent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, he consented. They broke the bed, and and that was a, that was like an expensive bed to me. Um, and it was in Wayne Manor, so yeah, know. they'll be replaced. There's more. There, there's, <laughs> there's more. There's more. There's a whole cave full of them. All right, we're gonna take a real short break, and then when we come back. We're gonna get into some of the real meat, which is all things crane. Free stuff is awesome, but free stuff that will spice up your bedroom is even better. Just go to adamandeve.com and select almost any one item for 50% off, and then we'll load on the free stuff. Just enter this very exclusive code, RAINMAN, at checkout, and you'll get 10 tantalizing free gifts, including a sexy item for him, a special toy for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy, and six extra special bonus items that are sure to rev your engine, pique your curiosity, Mm. and even blow you away. Plus, free shipping. Always sent in discreet packaging. Go to adamandeve.com now. Get 50% off plus the 10 free gifts when you enter the exclusive offer code RAINMAN. Again, that's RAINMAN. Because without it, no free stuff. That's RAINMAN at adamandeve.com. All right, we are back. For those watching on Twitch, it just looked kind of weird because we paused. Um, yeah, so Crane and Jason, the other big element of this episode. Yeah, uh, this this whole thing has gotten way weird. Way weird. Jason, you know, he needs more drugs. The guy is strung out. He looks like absolute hell. And Crane tells him, I don't got no more. I'm out. Well... That's not necessarily true. He created a giant vat of of, of freaking oil drum, basically of high concentrate. Oh, that's that's mega drugs. You can't eat that, Jason. No, it'll 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 probably kill you. And and he he wants to do the classic scarecrow, what we've seen probably dozens of times throughout bat lore. Um, But most people would remember it from Batman Begins. He's going to dose the water supply because why would you not? It's the easiest way to get a whole city or whatever. Totally is pretty much is. It's the simplest way to actually take out a city. Yeah. Just dose the water supply with whatever thing that you want to dose it with. And uh, Jason's Jason's pissed off and knocks his ass out like like Peter Griffin style. Did you see when he landed, his arm was like, all yeah, right yeah. There. Yes. like knocked him out, man. I, I love that. It was the like he, he takes a couple hits like a champ. You know, he's got blood in his teeth. He's yeah. like, you're done. It's like, Oh, fuck you. I was, but <laughs> I now, was. now yeah. I got one more for now you. You're mouthing off. So, and, and then, and then pieces out. And so we, we, we can see in that moment that Jason's had it right. He's, he's, no longer putting up with this shit and he's going to go his own way for sure. At least at this point, it looks like he's going to go his own way. And what, what I really appreciated about that was that's when he had time to self reflect 
and yeah. and and look at what's happened, what's transpired, and he had nobody to turn to. He could have gone to Molly. Ultimately, he would. Yeah. But he didn't have anybody to turn to, to talk I mean, he, to. He may still. We didn't really see Jason a lot after that scene. Well, the one thing we saw him do, which is the only place, I guess, makes sense to go and get some kind of ear to listen, was an underground sex thing club, yeah. which I appreciate. Okay, we're going to jump into that? Yeah, and I appreciate that they did that because Gotham is a seedy underbelly. city. Underbelly. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know if we have those types of things here in Phoenix, but we, I'm sure New York, LA and shit like that. Let me check. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sure they have them, but it was very interesting to me that he would go to a complete set of strangers and pay money almost. I mean, he could have went to a church for all intents and purposes and sat down and told a priest like speaking entirely from my own like opinion right oh, that I is, you're gonna say experience when no, i went to the no. sex dungeon and i spilled my guts <laughs> no when i killed my uh co-worker <laughs> the way that i uh, no but so like that yes he could have gone to a church he could have like confessed but like well, that would be the stereotypical thing well it and would. just in general like if if that's what you're about then like cool maybe that'll help you maybe that works for you but like that's not Jason. That's no. not a that's not a viable um way to make no. yourself feel better. No. That would not he, fit his character. Yeah, I mean he went he went to a a, a voyeur station or yeah, I whatever. Yeah, he was going to tug one out at first. And he did a like a role play apology and like that as as soon as he was like you're going to be Hank, you're going to be Dawn. I was like fuck this is like like that was the point where i like paused it and had to like take a breath and get ready for what was about yeah, to happen I yeah he was gonna ask him to do the magic mountain or whatever the hell and then he was just gonna jerk off thinking you're hank and you're dawn yeah now bone now bone <laughs> and i'm like this is getting real twisted and honestly in that scene just acting wise i thought cullen did a fantastic job as yeah. jason yeah because like the whole point of jason this whole season is he's a broken kid Every single person that he's turned to, it's blown up in his face. So now he has no one to turn to. So he's forced to deal with it himself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this is how he deals with it. That's why I agree with you, Paul. It's kind of like, no, th- this is what Jason would do because he is, he, even though he's a good person down deep inside, Jason is very broken mm-hmm. and broken people have weird coping mechanisms. Well, And like, yeah. ironically, the two, the two like play their roles accurately, right? Where, um, you know, the the Hank character is like, this is weird and fuck yeah, you, and fuck like just this. storms I'm not off this game. And the the Dawn character like sits there and like yes. does what she can, and yes. like. And, and what was great about that, going back to your point, David, about how Colin handled his scene, the actress that played the 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 the, the sex worker, um. Even her own body language, like they both had a very different vibe that flipped on a dime. And the minute that that he got up and walked out, her body language, she was no longer with everything hanging out. She closed up physically. She closed her legs. She sat differently. She took on a different seating position in response to what she was hearing and was about to hear, which I thought was just it, it, very subtle, but you could just see it was like, whoa, this is deep, heavy shit. And, and I need to like be an ear for this dude. And I like how it played out too, because just 
what you were alluding to, Paul, is like the other sex worker would react as Hank would. I mean, you're being told that you just got, I just killed you. I'm really sorry. I just killed mm. you. <laughs> and, and he reacted appropriately. And yeah. in a lot of ways, I don't think Hank would, it, it, the character of Hank would ever forgive Jason. No. For what he did. No, he wouldn't. And he would storm off and say, fuck you. I'm out of here. Yep. And, and in a lot of ways, that was probably the most therapeutic moment for the character of Jason Todd because he's not going to get his way. Yeah. He doesn't get to actually say, I'm sorry for killing you. Please forgive me. No, fuck you. I'm out of here. Right. <laughs> and, and so later when Jason um, ultimately reaches out to, to Molly and Molly ultimately reaches out to Gar and says, hey, Jason wants to meet Dick, you know, not Nightwing, blah, blah, blah. And Dick ultimately goes and meets him in the tunnels um, it felt genuine. It felt Jason truly was sorry, tells Dick, I'm off the drugs. I, I, you know, it, that was the drugs that did that. That was Crane pulling the puppet strings on me. I just want to come home. Right. And, and the sex worker tells him the only, t- the only thing that you can do, or the only thing I've found that works in situations like this is to go home. Hence the title of the episode home is with the family and, and and you can see Dick struggling. You can physically see Dick struggling. Like, this is where I have to make a choice of what being the better Batman means. What would what would Bruce do in this same situation? What Bruce would probably do is cut you loose or, t- you know, take you in. But he's at an impasse. He's at a crossroads. What is my choice as the better Batman? Well, and the thing that made it really cool too is like the way the scene plays out. It's so relatable just on a addict level because Jason coming out and saying, you know, I'm not on the drugs anymore. That whole thing, you know, for me, it hit me personally because I know what that's like. I know what it's like to have to go back to your family and say, hey, I'm I'm clean. I know you guys don't trust me. And that's why I also found Dick's reaction believable because for any addict out there that goes through that transition, it's very difficult, especially when you have to come out to your family and say that, you know, I'm sorry, I'm clean, but your family is never going to believe you. They even tell the, I even remember in my rehab, they told this, your family is not going to believe any single word you say. Because of the years prior exactly. leading up to this. Yeah. No matter what you do, you're not going to be able to actually get that trust. But it's up to you to build that trust back up. And when the, the acting between Jason and Dick was so cool because I'm like, going, they, get, they really get this. It's not just, as we alluded to, like overblown family drama. Mm-hmm. They literally play this as this is a real moment between two people one trying to exercise his own demons and the other one and the other one basically going like going, okay, do I let this person back into my life? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I or do I just like let him go? I'm essentially his elder brother who he was sent to learn from me. And I, I was supposed to care for him and mentor him in San Francisco. I fucked that up and now he's back here and I kind of fucked this up too. Not, intentionally um it's it's got to be tough on dick right it's got to be tough because he has to make a hard decision and who knows which way it's going to go 
Um, you know, I, 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 we, I think we all hope for the best. We but- all hope for the best, but I mean, like, it's also understandable if Dick just after that scene, just how it was played out. I could understand if Dick basically by season's end lets Jason go. Says, you know what? I can't have you around me anymore. I can't trust you. Like because like that stops believable. trying to kill him because yeah, I still he'll, think he'll, Dick is like actively planning exactly. to kill Jason. I, but he's I, not gonna fight Jason anymore. Stop, yeah. Let him live, gonna, but you're not you're not part of the family. You're not part of the family. Yeah. You're, you're just out now. You don't which you have nothing to do with my life. Which could still set the stage for our dream of a spinoff. Well, and that that makes sense as you know, kind of again, just the the typical like Red Hood existence. He's like, you know, he's Jason. He's he was a Robin. He was Red Hood. Um, like as you know, you go to a Wikipedia or you ask somebody, like you know, name Bat Family characters. You know, he's in there, but he's you know, he's not like the family. He's right. you know, he's kind of got his own thing. Um, he, he lives in the backyard. He lives in the backyard. <laughs> so the you know Jason was has been for quite some time feeling very alone, and each episode, even since the ending of season two, is a, 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 a as you said a, a young man, a, a child still, and still growing up, um, feeling alone by himself. Um, on an island emotionally, mentally. And we also get a glimpse of that same thing in Crane. And, you know, Jason felt abandoned by Dick. He felt abandoned by Bruce. Well, first abandoned by Bruce, then abandoned by Dick and the team. And then now feeling somewhat abandoned, I would imagine, by Crane because you know, Crane used him for one, wouldn't give him drugs for two. And now he's trying to get back in the family. But then you see the flip side of that of Crane, who is very much feeling alone. They've (laughs) built this symbiotic relationship in the most weirdest of fucked up ways. And Crane needs Jason almost as much as Jason needs, whether it's Crane or Dick or the family or whoever Crane doesn't have anything like that. He's he's and, and he ultimately goes to his mom, who we find out is also a, a therapist. Yeah, and the entire scene of him talking to her, he owned the hell out of that. Oh yeah, you know the framing when he gets on that couch and he starts to talk about this this metaphor as he puts it of what he's feeling. And she goes right to it being the darkness that he says is going to come out. And and as he's talking, he's talking about I'm so he's basically saying I'm so close to winning. I'm so close to my plan, basically, that I had my master plan is going to happen. And then out of nowhere, this dark figure is going to come in. And she's she basically was like, oh, like a bat. And I don't know if you guys caught this one. The close up tight framing of him on the couch made it so personal and so intimate and almost very uncomfortable. Yeah. And then when she says that about the bat and he flies off the handle, look on the wall behind the fucking yeah, all, couch. All yep. the way at the back the, of the, the room. The Rorschach painting that takes up the whole wall is a, a giant, giant bat. bat. Yeah. It was like the best. Oh, my God. Oh, dude. But this plays so well on an idea that it's only been played with in comics between Batman and Joker. How the Joker needs Batman. 
mm-hmm. because life is boring with uh, it, it, life is boring for the Joker without Batman and vice versa and vice versa. But they essentially show it like all his villains, essentially like in the, especially in this one, Scarecrow, that he is not willing to accept the fact that he's so obsessed with waiting for Batman to swing in and defeat him that in a lot of ways he needs Batman. Well, and he, he, and he almost sets person. himself up for failure. It sets himself up for failure. And like, yeah. that's why he needs Jason because he's waiting for Jason to turn on him so that he can be defeated. Which is what his mom straight up says. Like, yeah. you hide behind other people. Like, his mom called it how it is, so much so that he didn't like it. Well, she tipped the, well, No one likes actually looking no one, in the mirror and yeah, having looking to face in the mirror and face it. Yeah. Especially if you're a character like Crane. I mean, Crane has well, always I mean, the, just in general, the whole scene of like him him being the patient and then her analyzing him and then What a cold he, bitch by the way. Yes, just in oh, general. Yeah. He didn't like what she had to say, but he was also like analyzing her, analyzing yeah, yeah, yeah. him. Yeah. And do you yeah, realize the whole, the whole fucking scenes? Do you realize shit, it is a parallel to how Jason was in the beginning of the season, how him and his therapist were talking? Yeah. Because like, what does Jason do to the therapist? He starts analyzing the therapist. What does Crane do? He starts getting frustrated when he's getting forced to, to, own up to his own failures, but then he turns it, he tries to turn it on him or turn it on, turn it on his mom. And I'm like, and it's like, I love the play of psychology throughout this entire season with yeah. all the characters because it adds so much depth to, what to your characters. I mean, you see it in like shows like doom patrol with like how they go through, you know, trauma and stuff. But here you're seeing people go through essentially therapy yeah, and, and like seeing it play out in a superhero show is really special, and th- that's what makes this writing so tight for me. Well, and and him in particular, him in particular, he, uh, you know, she she he through their conversation, she abandoned him straight up. She abandoned him. It sounded as though she dipped out of the family, got a divorce, whatever happened, and went and started a different family and had different kids because he was such a piece of shit she couldn't deal with it. And let's see, Jason felt abandoned, he felt abandoned, and now he's being abandoned in this moment, in this room, as she pushes a buzzer clearly the cops were waiting for her and had been surveilling the area and were just waiting, and he snaps her neck. Right. He snaps her neck and kills his own mother. And so to me, that was just like, holy shit. This guy is way more complex and way more deep than than we could have possibly have fathomed. And ultimately, everybody heads back. Uh, you know, the whole team heads over to this the, the snowy cones or you no, know, this was the water plant this time. Right. So they're in the, the water treatment facility or wherever, whatever's on top of that main water main that valve. And he learned through the other guy who he had killed earlier in the episode, a guy that was showing him a kindness when that and that whole like he he literally wakes up from being knocked out and he's immediately in a role. Right. He's like, oh, sorry, I was just looking for some place to sleep. And he did and, great, like bullshitting the guy. And for for a minute, I like I genuinely thought like, oh, maybe he's just going to take this fucking yummy yogurt and get the fuck out of Dodge. No. And then, yeah, and then he does a murder. He does a murder Uh, to a guy that was just being a a very kind Gothamite 
who came in with and, a gun like, out of you fear. You can tell that up, like he was he was looking to avoid that up he to you. he was warning him like hey probably don't touch that and then like it got to the point of no return he was like well i gotta handle this but well if- it was not only that if i'm not correct the guy made a comment about how it was what was it it was, it was something about like drilling into the floor yeah that was i think that's what steve was saying stupid he literally learned how to get in there from he this guy learned how and then kills the guy and then hatches his other plan because he was clearly he has a, he's tracking Jason. Yeah. However, he's doing that. He's got an iPhone app. He's tracking Jason. It was way cooler than find my friends. And and he's tracking Jason. Find my zombie son. Yeah, find my <laughs> zombie my zombie mentee. And and he is listening in on the conversation because he knows of the tunnels. Jason's told him everything. Yeah. And he's listening in on the conversation between Dick and Jason and knows. Uh, you know, I can get them all here. And if I just, if I can just get somebody, whether it's Connor or Starfire, one of them can blast through this thing, which will ultimately dump my barrel of nonsense into the water supply (laughs) and I can dip out of there. And basically how much more brilliant could this have been written? But do you know, do you guys notice about that whole scene praying Every single time someone actually questions Crane, Crane loses it. Yeah, he like, doesn't like to be questioned. Like the worker. I mean, the worker was trying to help him, yeah. and he did something nice for him. But Crane kills him in the end because why? The, the worker questioned his work, and he just snapped. His mom, in the very end, he got fed up about being shown, you know, being forced to look in the mirror, and he just up I'm, and snaps her neck. I don't know that... I th- I think he killed like I think he took the criticism from the worker as like a learning opportunity. I think he he killed him when he realized like he was now a loose end. He he literally yeah, was taking pictures of these things ends. that he was going to report to like that is his job. He was going to report this to somebody. He had to get him out of the picture. And like yes, he was not having a great time with his mom, but I think like he was going to walk out of that room at some point and she was still going to be alive until he saw the signal to the, the signal sniper to the across sniper. the street. Yep. Yep. One thing before we do the final thoughts here, one thing I do want to mention that I thought was ultimately again, super, super goddamn clever when two things, when Tim gets off the bus because he did his detective work, he knows that they're all meeting over at this, this building where the whole Titans teams are going to show up and they're going to go after crane he he gets off the bus and the bus says route 308 which is a reference to episode or season 3 episode 8 which is this episode and it's the route home mm. holy shit he's going home which will ultimately be his home with the bat family jason's trying to go home this whole episode is bringing so much home and when he steps off that bus, there's that poster behind him that says, protect your family. Holy shit. Like, I, I, th- this episode, it, it did so much for me. Even more so than some of the other episodes that oh, we, were, yeah. we were just raving about. But you, uh, if... I'm I'm trying to think about how how like you know the the frames line up with you know him stepping off the bus and everything. But if you could get like the bus him stepping off in that poster in like one clear image, that's that like a picture says a billion fucking words. It exactly. so does. It it it's one of those moments where 
the cinematography in this is just intelligent, especially in this episode, because some of the choices of frame framing and positioning, it tells a story by itself. And it honestly feels like a true reading a comic book sometimes because like for, for all of us comic book fans, when you look at a panel, a panel says a thousand words, right? It can, it, it can. And and sometimes in really good comics, it should. Yeah. And like yeah, here, in, in, in best case scenario, but like they do scenario. fall short sometimes. And then, but like here, that, that, that moment was like a panel from a comic. It tells a thousand words. So give me one word. What's your score? <laughs> <laughs> one word. Uh, well, I well, guess one word, one two word digits. Is, one word is surprising. This episode's very surprising. And two digits. I'm going to go with a 99 on this one. Okay. I mean, oh, I love shit. the I love the cinematography. I loved all the play and the acting. Again, Cullen is just phenomenal. I think he could carry Vincent, this. The guy playing Scarecrow, Vincent from, from Mad Men. I don't Men. want him to die. I don't either. I don't want him to die. He is absolutely slaying this character. It's unfortunate that we know he's not coming back because of those antics that he apparently played on set and he upset some people. The guy is a method actor, and and he got into this character deep. He's like Phil Collins. He was in too deep. Yeah. Paul, what's your score? Um, I just, I've I've been like up and down with like where where I want this to. No, nah, I guess just going up and up and up and up. <laughs> um, I. I just want to shout out real quick before a number that there there is a point where Dick says a quote that I guess Bruce used to say all the time. Um, Bruce used to say, throw water on a drowning man to close the deal. And like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> that is... That was dark. <laughs> um, I, I mean, is is that the better Batman for you, or is avoiding that being the better Batman like that? That was a fucking moment. I don't think throwing water on a drowning man is a good thing. Well, it's you know you seal the deal. You just yeah. you make sure he's off. It's he's, really showing he's that, off the page. It's really showing that the Batman in this but, universe like was definitely different. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's I don't know. Not to say that he was like a murderer, but it's uh, it's a whole thing. Um. That said, and entirely unrelated, I think I'm going to go with a 94. Okay. Good, good. So for me, I, I love this, and, and I'm, I'm only going to go slightly lower than David. I'm going with a 98. This, this episode was so well written, so well produced, so well executed, um, firing on all cylinders, and I just can't believe that we have seven more episodes of this. Um, I have, I have no idea where we're going. I have ideas of what I want to see. There's seeds that have been planted, but anything is possible at this point. Um, so that's going to do it for us tonight on DC on RMD Titans edition. Big thanks to Paul and David and a big thanks to Lauren. When she returns, we miss her. Uh, as always check us out on DC on RMD.com. You can check out all of our past episodes, our shows, other shows, Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and we'll see you guys next week. Who are you, bitches? Mother of God! Would you look at the time when you came here? You had an hour.